Welcome to The Fine Print, a show where we talk about the hidden truths that are keeping you broke. I'm George Camel, and in every episode, I do the research for you on the latest financial trends and traps to help save you time and money. This week, we'll be talking about the dumpster fire that was 2020 and how to better prepare financially for the future. Are you guys tired? I'm tired. What they don't tell you about pandemics is that they're exhausting. I went from hoping I wouldn't die from a viral micro droplet of doom to hoping there would be toilet paper at the store to binge watching every single episode of The Great British Bake Off. Do you know there's 11 seasons of that show? I do now. The coronavirus pandemic, while taking its toll on people's physical and mental health, also shed some ugly light on people's financial health. Whether it was a job loss, a furlough, surprise medical bills, a lack of emergency savings, a 401k loan your broke friends told you to take out, or some self-inflicted retail therapy, COVID-19 made us all take a good hard look in the mirror when it comes to our money. And for millions of Americans hanging on by a financial thread, their house of cards came crashing down and a $1,200 stimulus check wasn't enough to break its fall. So what can we learn from this pandemic and how can we set ourselves up to be pandemic-proof, at least when it comes to our money? It's a question that millions of people are now desperately trying to answer. People like Julie. After the excitement of starting a new job in early March of 2020, she quickly lost it once the pandemic hit. And unfortunately for her, things only went downhill from there. With no job, no savings, an unstable living situation, and a one-year-old depending on her, she was understandably overwhelmed. The amount of fear that I felt at this point in time is, I can't even put it into words. Um, I was just failing as a mother. Um, I felt like totally powerless, totally vulnerable. It was absolutely awful. I don't, I don't think I slept for probably a good month and a half, like a full night through. Wow. You know, waking up with this absolutely anxiety-ridden, like couldn't sleep, couldn't eat. Well, vulnerable is the perfect word. I feel like people felt financially. There was just this vulnerability to, I'm not protected in case something happens, in case I lose my job. I'm not prepared for this. So what were you doing with the unemployment money that was coming in? So what I did was I just started saving every single dollar that I could. Like, absolutely. I just started eating, like, beans and rice and um, just hoarding every single dollar that I absolutely could. And um, that's the only thing that I could control at that point in time. Mm. You know, because I have to control the variables that I can. And that was, that was, I knew that I had to have money to get myself out of this situation because it's either, you know, I needed to get a place to live. And if I had a bunch of money put aside where I could show a landlord, like, hey, I know I don't have a job right now, but I have this big chunk of money right here. Um, you know, I'm looking for a job can you please give me a shot? Like I have nowhere to go. You know, I think my options would have been a lot better if I would have had money. But wow. from the the period of April to July, <laughs> like absolute worst time of my whole life. Mm. And yeah. you're saying that all 
would have been so different if you had had that emergency fund in place? Absolutely. I wouldn't have felt as vulnerable. I mean, you know, I would have been able to have some sort of backing and not just feel like I'm free falling through life. And, and I have a one-year-old that I'm responsible for and, you know, facing being homeless with a child, there's nothing that I can even put in, like, say to describe how awful I felt. It's not being able to feel like I could provide for my child. If, if life happens, like catastrophes, pandemics happen, relationships go bad, like, you need to be prepared for these things. And I just absolutely wasn't. You have to be prepared for the what if. You know, and nobody wants to think about them. Nobody wants to think that this could happen to them. I didn't want to think that this could happen to me, but it did. And um, that's just the reality of life. Bad things happen. It's a vulnerable lifestyle, having debt. The economy took no prisoners in 2020. And those who had no savings and payments to keep up with were the least immune. And to help us unpack what exactly happened in the economy and what should have happened, I sat down with Dr. Art Laffer. Dr. Laffer is a renowned economist and former economic advisor to President Reagan. He's best known for shaping the theory of supply-side economics. And at 80 years old, this dude has seen a thing or two when it comes to the economy. And with that experience comes opinions. Let's get to it. Let's start. Uh, Dr. Art, first of all, it's an honor to be with you. You've got uh, many years of experience, and we're going to use those wisely, hopefully. Well, I do have many years. Let's, let's... Of experience. Of experience, that's Not true. Not age, just experience. Well, I have them of age, too, let me tell you. <laughs> As we got into it, Dr. Laffer was quick to remind me who's to blame for this pandemic. What you've got to remember is that no one wanted the pandemic. Okay, it's no one's fault. It's not your fault. It's not my fault, but it happened. And it's not a matter of it's your fault that this happened. Therefore, we won't help you or it's not your fault. Therefore, we will help you. When a politician helps you, it's not the politician helping you. It's a politician taking from taxpayers and using them. The taxpayers didn't cause this problem either. It's not their fault. So when you take money from one group of people who is not their fault and you use it to bail out another group of people whose fault it also is not, that's not a smart move to do. Mm -hmm. Well, you're talking about the government stepping in and trying to trying to fix things, especially when we see an economic downturn. And in 2020, it was the CARES Act. Like you're talking about that three trillion dollar stimulus package that was supposed to help these people who are unemployed, these businesses that were struggling. So what are stimulus packages like the CARES Act supposed to do, and what did it actually end up doing? Well, what it was supposed to do was uh, bail out people who were suffering through no fault of their own, the loan guarantee from PPP. It's called the redistribution. Now, whenever you redistribute income, which is what a tax bill and a PPP program all do, is just redistribute. What you do is you take from someone who has a little bit more, and you give it to someone who has a little bit less. You with me? The theorem here, and it's not Republican, it's not Democrat, liberal, conservative, left-wing, or right-wing. It's math. Whenever you redistribute income, you always reduce total income, period. The more you redistribute, the greater will be the loss in total income. And if you were to go to the limit here where you made everyone equal after tax, 
there will be no income whatsoever. So when you look at the CARES Act, there was at least $3 trillion of that CARES Act that was pure and simply redistribution of income that hurt the economy and caused our recovery to be slower. And where's that money coming from? Imagine for a moment a two-person world. Okay, Farmer A and Farmer B. That's it. If Farmer B gets unemployment benefits, who do you think pays for them? Farmer. Farmer A. Now you know who's the guy paying and who's the guy receiving. Why would you prefer to make Farmer A unhappy? It's the same thing is true for the U.S. You just don't know that guy's name. And so you have a completely distorted bias in the system towards spending money. So what should the government's role be in helping the American people during tough well, economic you know, government doesn't create resources. Government redistributes resources very expensively. <laughs> You've got to rely on yourself first and foremost. Government can't save you. Be prepared for yourself. The government will not take care of you. I, I just guarantee it won't. That Dr. Laffer's one smart cookie. What I learned from all this is that the government is kind of like that guy who shows up to your party uninvited, gets super drunk, and then knocks over your grandma's heirloom lamp she gave to you as a wedding gift. The government always steps in to fix the economy during a crisis, but we shouldn't rely on them so much in the first place. That means we need to be our own backup plan. And it's easier said than done, because we know that when we talk about money, we're talking about behaviors and values and habits. So to walk out some steps we can take to create those habits and future-proof our financial life, I talked with Anthony O'Neill. He's a national best-selling author, speaker, financial expert, and host of the popular YouTube series and podcast, The Table with Anthony O'Neill. This dude is on a mission to help people get a clear vision for their future so they can win with their life and money. So, Anthony, 2020 was a, was a rough year for a lot of people financially. Some people are still hurting. How do we grow from this and learn from it and protect ourselves for the future? I love how you said people were hurting last year and they're still hurting. Here's the truth. Some people will continue hurting um, and they will continue hurting because I believe we haven't really learned from the past. One thing the pandemic showed us that if we're not properly prepared for the future, we will have some more issues coming up. Mm. And I think one of the key things that we really got to do is step back and realize, like, hey, we need to have emergency funds in place. Because it's not a matter of if it's going to happen again. It's just a matter of when is it going to happen. Yeah, you know what you uh, remind me of, George, is my neighbor right across the street. I remember when I first moved in and had a conversation with her. And I told her what we teach and the principles. And, of course, baby son number one has set aside $1,000. And she's like, oh, my God, $1,000? Said I've never seen $1,000 in my life. And I was like, wow, really? And she said, I've seen it, but as soon as I got my paycheck, it was gone. Mm. She's like, I can't fathom having $1,000 in my emergency account. But here's the truth, George. That nearly 40% of people in America today can't even afford to pay cash for a $300 emergency. Nearly 50% of them don't even have $1,000 in their savings account. And for me, I feel as if we have to have the bare minimum $1,000 in our emergency fund. Because when you look at some of the quick emergencies that come up, they're right around three to five to 600 bucks. And if we can just have that in place, $1,000, we're ahead of 50% in America. 
And so if if you feel as if you cannot have a thousand dollars, it's just hard. It is impossible. No, what we got to do is get on a detailed plan, aka a budget, and figure out how and where can we cut some expenses. I tell this to everyone, George, if you bring me your budget, you bring me your paycheck, I'll find a thousand dollars. I'm pretty sure you got some subscription that you're paying for on a monthly basis. I'm pretty sure you're overspending on groceries. You're eating out too much. I'm pretty sure there's something there that we can cut, that we can kind of change around to get to $1,000. Now, some people, it may take them 30 days. Some people, it may take them 90 days to get to $1,000. Let's get an amount. Let's get $1,000 minimum inside of our savings account. You can honestly get the money from your present and change it in the future. Mm. So, Anthony, when is the right time to build that fully funded emergency fund and how do we get there? I say this. I want you to really focus on uh, your four walls. Okay, that's going to be your food, utilities, housing and transportation. Okay, so food, utilities, housing and transportation. Make sure you have that covered. Let's say that you're having a hard time outside of that, then yeah, you may want to go ahead and start stacking up a little bit more than $1,000. The main thing that you really want to focus on those four walls and just stacking up as much as you can until you can get a stable income coming back in. But let's say if you have a job currently and you're good with that moving forward, cover those four walls first. Again, that's your food, utilities, housing, and transportation, and then start attacking your debt. Once you get out of debt, go ahead and uh, get that fully funded emergency fund of three to six months of expenses. A lot of people I'm seeing, you know, out there, friends on Facebook, all that kind of stuff, they are, I don't want to say relying on their stimulus checks Mm. and unemployment and credits from the government, but we're seeing business owners go, hey, we're back hiring, but nobody wants to work because they're making good money money sitting at home. Yeah. What do you say to those people who are are getting the, the money from the government and they're feeling like, okay, I'm staying afloat right now. I don't need to hustle. Stop relying on the government. That's what I'm going to tell you. You know, right now, yeah, you're getting a stimulus check, but tomorrow, uh, as far as in the future-wise, you won't have the stimulus check. Get back out there, uh, get to work, build the right relationships, and don't settle for the government to take care of you. Take care of yourself. Um, I don't rely on the White House. I rely on me to cover my own house. I see why the government is helping because I do believe that there are some people out there who really do need it. But then there's a lot of people who are taking advantage of the stimulus check, staying at home because they're making more money from home and they don't want to work. I call them just lazy people. But then you have people like my aunt who unfortunately lost her job and she didn't have a fully funded emergency fund. So the stimulus check has been helping her just to put food on the table and keep her lights on. Uh, But she went back to work as soon as she could because she understands I can't always rely on the White House. And as a matter of fact, she doesn't rely on the White House. She relies on her house and her family. So for me, I would tell people right now, uh, get back to work. Take control of your life. Take ownership of your life. And if you want to make more money, go do it yourself. It seems to me there's three kind of camps of people, right? There's the ones that are they're paying for the past. They're living there. They're trying to keep up. Yep. There's the ones that are they're worried about the present. They're living paycheck to paycheck. paycheck. And then there's the third camp, which is what you're talking about. Yes. The ones who are building for the future, they're future focused. Yeah. How do we go from maybe worrying about the past, paying for the past, and being on that treadmill paycheck to paycheck to actually feeling like we're making progress? Mm-hmm. And if there's another pandemic or there's an emergency, 
I'm covered. How do we make that shift mentally and financially? Mentally, the very first thing is you got to identify your why. I'm always saying this, George, all the practical things to do. But if your why is not so deep down inside of you, then the price of commitment to get out of debt, the price of commitment to build wealth, the price of commitment to change will make you cry because you're not passionate about it. So number one, mentally, you got to get your why. Then number two, mentally and practically, you got to take debt off of the table. You know, you can't save for an emergency fund and save for today to protect your tomorrow if you keep borrowing from your tomorrow. And so you got to take debt off of the table because when, when we take debt off of the table, it opens up a lot more options. And one of the greatest options that I love is it opens up freedom. It opens up choices. It opens up joy. It opens up peace. But when you don't have an emergency fund, when you don't have a why, when you're not getting out of debt, you're stuck in your yesterday. You, you have no joy. You have no peace. So if you really want to switch from, you know, living in your yesterday from paycheck to paycheck to, you know, really having peace, financial peace, start with your why. Take debt off of the table, get a clear vision, and stick to a budget. That is a pandemic-proof plan, if I've ever heard one. Hey, man, it is what it is. Well, you can't prevent pandemics, but you can keep yourself financially stable in the midst of chaos. All you can do is control the controllables. And surprisingly, there's a lot that's in your control, like having emergency savings to cover the unknowns in life and making and sticking to a budget so you don't overspend. If any good came out of this pandemic mess, it's the fact that it made people really look at what habits and goals they need to create so they're never in the same situation again. Your future is up to you, good or bad. The good news is you get to make that call. And a headline, a pandemic, a stimulus check, a White House, they don't get to call the shots. Not this year. If you're ready to be pandemic-proof when it comes to your money, check out Financial Peace University. It's our nine-lesson video course that teaches you how to master budgeting, save for emergencies, pay off debt fast, and invest for the future. In the very first lesson, you'll learn how to create a budget and build your first emergency fund so you can weather the next crisis. You can check out Financial Peace University inside of Ramsey Plus. It's our online membership that gives you exclusive access to our best money products. And I want you to experience it for free. Get your free trial today by texting Fine Print 3 to 33789. That's Fine Print followed by the numeral 3 to 33789. Or just click the link in the show notes. You've been listening to The Fine Print. If you've enjoyed it, follow us wherever you listen to podcasts and share it with a friend. Our show is produced by Chris Wright, Madison Browder, Eric Cheslevich, and Chris Dean. Our associate producer is Amanda Rogers. This episode was engineered and mixed by Will Rudder. Special thanks to Eva Daniel for help with writing and research. Our executive producer is Blake Thompson. I'm George Camel, and remember, you can't prevent dumpster fires, but you can get yourself a fire extinguisher and be ready for the next one. Fine print listeners, we want to hear from you. Yeah, you. If you've got a story of falling for a money trap, believing a money myth, or not reading the fine print, give us a call and tell us all about it. You can call us at 855-855-5776. That's 855-855-5776. Or you can always email us at thefineprint at ramseysolutions.com. And to make life easy for you, we've got all that info in the episode show notes.